Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Due to the graphic nature of some of the topics we will be touching on, listener discretion is advised. Howdy, everybody. It is Lisa. I'm Jules. <laughs> it's Lisa and Jules, another little ladies night. Welcome back, you guys. This is Eye for Eye podcast. You know me. Every time we venture off into some other territory, I really want to name it something and start it as a series. But I can't think of what this would be. What would be a cool name? We could think about it. But this might be a new little series. It might just be a catch-up type of episode. A little book club, if you will. In any case, no one knows what I'm talking about because I haven't said what I'm talking about. But a couple years ago, Matt and I covered a case. It was episode number five. Lucky, unlucky number five. On episode number five, Matt and I covered the case of Luca Magnata. That was before we were blessed with Jules's presence. Was that before Don't Kill Cats or whatever it's called? Yeah. You watched that, right? Yes. I was enthralled. I had read an article that shit all over that documentary, but I thought it was pretty good. And I thought that the timing of it was perfect because I feel like it came out as everybody was sent banished to their homes for COVID. So they really got a lot of people who probably wouldn't have watched otherwise. Yeah, 100%. Those of you who don't know what we're talking about, it's a Netflix documentary on Luca Magnata's case. And for those of you who really don't know what we're talking about, what happened with him, just in brief, Luca Magnata was a guy in Canada who was obsessed with being famous. He was addicted to this idea of being known, people fawning over him. And that is when snuff videos unfortunately became pretty popular on the internet. And and Luca Magnata, who was super attracted to that idea of people knowing who he was, latched onto that. He murdered a bunch of kittens. He also ended up murdering a student, Lin Juan. And I'm taping all of it. Yeah. So he saw the conversation surrounding a unfortunate that film i'm not gonna say the title because i don't want people to look it up i've seen part of it and it scarred me for life i'm a true crime fan but i don't like seeing that kind of thing i'm not interested in the gore hearing about it is one thing seeing it in live action is a totally different thing and luca magnato is obsessed with this idea of getting attention and fame your infamy and he realized that that's what was happening so he lured a chinese student lin jun to his apartment under the guise that he was going to film a male-on-male type of scene with him and pay him for it. And instead, it ended up turning into the most horrifying thing that has ever been described, videotaped. And unfortunately, that video is on the internet and it's there for people to see, which makes me sick. I wish there was ways to get that kind of thing taken down, but unfortunately, it's kind of Impossible. Like they say, once something's on the internet, it lives there forever. And they're not kidding. So unfortunately, that was what happened in this case. He mailed 
the hands and feet to an elementary school as well as some people in the Canadian government. I actually saw something that said it was to Justin Trudeau, but I don't know if he was the prime minister at the time. I'm not sure. But Lisa, to your point, my biggest takeaway from Don't Fuck With Cats and why I was so enthralled with it was because I think that was the first time we were really shown how much internet sleuths can find out. They were able to take the background of one of Lucas' photos and use Google Maps to figure out where he was and the balcony of the apartment. And so to your point, once things are out on the internet or even in the metaverse, quote unquote, they will have it and it will never truly go away, which is horrifying. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason we're talking about this today, not only just to do a little update because things have happened since we recorded episode five, check it out. It's a really gruesome case and it's actually one of, I don't know, four or five cases that have actually given me nightmares. I think, unfortunately, I'm desensitized in a way. But this is one of the cases that kept me up at night, gave me nightmares. Another one is actually one of the ones that we covered pretty soon after that. It was our episode number seven, so go check that out. For Luca Magnata's case, again, the whole thing kind of centers around this enough film that he created. I actually made Matt look it up and lead that case. Because I was afraid that if I looked it up and clicked on the wrong link, it would lead me to the video. That's why I can't look into Skinwalkers, because I'm afraid that they will get me through the internet. <laughs> A little different than Skinwalkers, but yeah, yeah same kind of question. Right, I'm too afraid of what I will uncover. And there is a lot to uncover in this case, and it's all very graphic and disturbing and something that Luca denies doing, which blows my mind. My Jules and I are kind of updating is not only to give an update and kind of talk about don't fuck with cats, but also in 2018, when Matt and I covered this case, we were actually reached out to by Wild Blue Press, who at the time I had not really heard of before, but it's a publisher. And they emailed us and the email's title was like exclusive look at my son the killer and of course that caught my interest i'm like what the hell is this so i opened it and the publisher actually was kind enough to send us a pdf version of a book called my son the killer and upon looking into that book it is the untold story in quote of luca magnata and the snuff video that he created but this is not just a random book about the crime this book is written by a man named brian whitney who is an award-winning journalist and author but that's not the wild part the other author of this book is anna yurkin now if you have followed don't fuck with cats or have any idea about this case at all you won't know that luca magnata is not luca magnata's real name luca magnata's real name is eric newman now what does that have to do with anna yurkin well you guys anna yurkin is it luca magnata's mom and she is a co-author of this book aptly titled my son the killer and they sent this to us to review it was like here's a book you're a true crime podcast we think you'd be interested in reading it 
let us know your thoughts and feelings. So I did send it to Matt. And I, of course, I read it. And I also sent it to my streaming and screaming co-host, Kara. I don't know if Matt read it or not. Kara did. And we had wanted to do a follow-up episode. But time just got away from us. And then, unfortunately, we took a little hiatus. So it just never ended up happening. However, when Jules came onto the show as our new amazing co-host, I know that Jules loves to read. And she reads a lot of true crime books and novels and stuff. And so when I put the two together in my brain, I was like, I have to get Jules to read this. And we have to talk about it because you guys, when you hear us talk about this book, when I say it is a wild ride, it is a wild ride and not a good kind of wild ride. It's just a mess. Let's be real. It's a mess. As Lisa mentioned, I'm a book nerd. I've read 58 books so far this year. And I use Goodreads to track my books and things. And I had to give this book a two-star rating. Not so much because of the content, but it was very painful to read. And my darling Anna is by no means going to be the next Shakespeare. And I don't think she wants to, but her lack of actual training and I, I'm not saying I could do better, but it was painful to read. Yeah. And this is no hate to Anna at all in any form or fashion. And no comment on English not being someone's first language. But English is not her first language. And you would think when writing a book, you would check it. I don't think she had a good team behind her to support her publishing this in a language that was not her native language because she shares a lot of insight and it's a lot that you don't necessarily hear about on the documentary. But it was just, unfortunately, painful to read. Yeah, it was a lot. It was hard to read. I'm trying to find where his mom is from and I cannot find it, but I know she has an accent some sort and I appreciate other languages and stuff but again when you're publishing a book you would think there would be a little more checks and balances into grammar and things like that so again no hate to her but it was a painful read mainly due to grammar sentence structure it almost like it was a giant run-on sentence I don't know anyways we were sent this book read it and we wanted to review it I realized Jules would be the perfect person to force read this book and to get some back and forth going about. And I do think we should talk about the book and then talk about Don't Fuck With Cats and then kind of go over our opinions. So the way the book is set up, it essentially details the crime in a way, but it also kind of details Luca's earlier life, Luca's life with his mom, Luca's mom's struggles. And we have to have empathy. Jules and I were talking about this before I hit record. It's unfathomable. Thinking of your child committing such a crime, any crime really, but a crime as heinous as this one. And this is kind of timely because a lot of people are currently talking about Dahmer on Netflix and how Dahmer's dad is portrayed. And that had me going on a spiral of watching interviews with Dahmer's dad and Dahmer himself. It brings up the conversation of nature versus nurture. But let me read this little excerpt that Anna Yerkin commented on Wild Blue Press's little summary of what this book is about. And the cover is a pretty haunting picture of Anna Yerkin and Luca Magnata. 
The title is pretty gripping, My Son the Killer. So Annie Yerkin says, I started this book in 2013. And just for those who are unfamiliar, Luca's crime happened in 2012. So she started this book essentially a year after the events that took place that Luca is a part of. I wrote it from a place of hurt, devastation, love, and confusion. Over the next three years, I deconstructed my world looking for answers. I needed to come to terms with the fact that my son, Luca Magnata, was charged and eventually convicted of first-degree murder and why. I threw myself into writing. I wrote in silence as the world came to their own conclusions surrounding the Luca Magnata case. I refused to speak to the media. I just wanted to be left alone. As the years passed by and my research and discoveries were complete, the book was finally finished. I approached Wild Blue Press and they paired me up with author Brian Whitney to fine-tune the book and get it ready for publishing. Over the months, Brian and I formulated a plan as to how we would incorporate our writing as well as my son Luca's opinions into the book. Once we pulled it all together, it turned out fabulous. I am incredibly grateful for the opportunities I have been offered. I can finally tell my side of the story in a non-intrusive way. This book is filled with exclusive information and photos, not photos of the crime. I'm inserting that myself as Lisa, but just want to make that note. The case drew worldwide attention, but it was all one-sided. Now the other quote-unquote untold side of the story is complete and ready to be shared with the world. My goal is that this book clears up the misconceptions, lies, and lingering questions that have been circulating for years. Remember, there are always two sides to every story, and now you have the opportunity to know both. I invite you to pull up a chair and take a front row seat look into my world as the mother of one of Canada's most notorious criminals, Luca Rocco Magnata. As you eagerly turn the pages, you will discover a riveting tale beyond your wildest imagination. I have candidly opened up my world to the public for the first time since this ordeal began. Although this book is complete, my journey is far from over. I will never be the same person I was, and I will continue to struggle with the reality that I am left with. And that gives you a little kind of background of where this tale begins for Jules and I today. So this book talks kind of about Luca's early life. Jules, maybe fill in some of the gaps on the way this book begins. One thing that I think is important to note is, sure, Anna had her account of what happened, but the book is not all from her perspective. It kind of bounces back and forth between Anna telling different things about Luca's life and then Brian Whitney has interactions with Luca. They have different correspondences, all that kind of stuff. So yes, to Lisa's point, Anna talks a lot about Luca's childhood. His birth father was abusive and I think was in the picture for a while. It's been a couple months since I read this. But then also Anna had a boyfriend who was not a great force to be in the mix. And so she goes on all of this. They talk about Luca's struggles with mental health. And I have an article here from the Peterborough Examiner. And Anna is talking about the book and she says, my goal was that people hear two sides and maybe when they're informed, it will change their opinion. And while I do feel that there are truly two sides to every story, it seems like her and Luca are on their own two sides. He is claiming that he wanted no part of an insanity type plea, whereas Anna's saying, well, oh, if you hear all of these things, maybe you'll change your mind. And so it seems like even they are not on the same side of the argument. 
And they definitely have a strange relationship. And that's one thing that is talked about in the book. It's kind of like one extreme or the other. When they're getting along, they're very much so getting along. They're going on vacations, just the two of them, even though Luca has other siblings. He has all this money from being a male escort. So he's taking his mom on these elaborate trips. He's almost whining and dining her. It's just kind of uncomfortable and strange. And they go from that extreme to not talking. There's a lot of time where they don't talk, where Anna is not a part of Luca's life. They have a very strained relationship. She paints the picture of this very improper male force in his life. He doesn't really have a great male influence, almost as the reason behind everything. And then there's Luca who's saying he never wanted anything to do with the not criminally responsible plea. I have an article here from the Hamilton Spectator. And Luca is quoted as saying, I have no mental illness whatsoever. I had to go with it, even though I didn't want to, but my lawyers pressured me into it. I told the doctors I had no mental illness. Even now in prison, I take no medications, but the lawyer said our only chance was to go with the not criminally responsible defense. Yeah. And we have to remember, if you've seen Don't Fuck With Cats, if you've heard this case talked about, whether it's on our podcast or somewhere else, or you just read about it on your own, he did this because he wanted fame and he still wants that fame. And so he doesn't want to be known as this insane person who lost touch with reality because he very much calculated this he wanted fame and I think that's something that Anna struggles to kind of reconcile with and I do understand the idea that how can us as people who are not murderers reconcile with the fact that someone would do something this heinous everybody wants to point to some sort of defect or sociopathy or psychopathy or something because how could someone with a normal functioning brain kill and torture a bunch of kittens, probably other animals that weren't even posted, and then also murder this member of human being and send them to the Capitol and to a school? But kind of how she stated in that little excerpt I read, the book is her way of kind of working through what happened. But it's such a bizarre way of doing it. Right. And that's one of the things we were saying right before we started recording is every serial killer, every petty criminal is somebody's son or daughter. And I think she really struggles to come to terms with why and how Luca could have done this. And that's apparent in the book. She says that it's part of her healing process. And I'm sure it was. I can't imagine what their whole family went through. But it's still a bit delusional, in my personal opinion. I think it was interesting, the idea that Luca didn't act alone. And Annie sticks to that and runs with it. So does he. Yeah. And this is what I will say about there being another person. And Don't Fuck With Cats, it shows one of the videos of the cats being killed. And it doesn't show the whole thing, but it, it might as well because it showed right up the last second of one of them, which made me fucking horrified. But they talk about this idea that there could be another guy. I think he said his name was Manny, right? Yes, Manny. Anna's perspective is that Luke was in an abusive relationship and controlled by this guy and he made him do these sick things. He feared repercussion. And the documentary kind of goes over this very briefly, but they show one of the videos and it does look like there's a second person there. I don't know if you remember that, Jules. 
they freeze frame one of the shots of the video. And obviously someone is holding the camera or the camera is set somewhere. I think it's when you can see Luca in the frame in front of the camera doing these horrible things. Swear they circle where you can see a, a, someone else's hand. And that was the only time that made me think, huh, if there is somebody else involved, I do not think it this whole mind control thing. I think it was a co-conspirator. They were in it together. Luca was a game hungry piece of garbage who was willing to do whatever it took to get his name out there, whether it was good, bad, and different. And he wasn't making it as good. So he saw these enough videos become popular and he ran with that. Do you remember that from the documentary? At one point, they re-stream this part of the documentary and then they circle the hand that you can see kind of out of frame. And it really, it kind of centuries on my spine because I read this before Don't Fuck With Cats came out. And I remember her sticking with this whole mind control boyfriend guy that's abusing Luca and forcing him to do all this crazy shit. And when I saw it, Don't Fuck With Cats, I was like, ooh, do you, like, I don't know if you remember that. You know, I could definitely do with a rewatch because I watched that when it very first came out and I couldn't bring myself to go back to it because it's a lot. But I do remember that and I do think that there is a very strong possibility that there is somebody in Luca's life that is maybe a controlling male who he shared these thoughts and things with, but that still doesn't excuse your behavior. I don't know. If I'm like, Lisa, you should go hit someone with your car and then you go do it. That's not my fault. Or just the same argument with Michelle Carter, right? Because that whole case was all the attacks and all her i mean you're right it doesn't excuse the behavior and again i don't believe that that would be the reason he did it i think regardless if there was a, a person in his life or not helping him commandeer these things i think he 100 percent was in it because he wanted to be in it not because someone was like go do this or i'll kill you because he didn't mention that until further into the trial. And I think maybe it's like a quick Chris Watts thing where his lawyers or someone important in the case brought it up to him, fed that into his brain. And he's like, oh, this is a good way to say that it's not all my fault and I'm not this monster. Well, right. I don't think it was one of the articles I sent you, but I was reading a lot of articles to kind of refresh my brain on all of this stuff right before we recorded. And I'll have to find the exact link, but this woman corresponded with Luca Magnata about this whole concept of Manny and then on the side she writes if you're interested in that theory feel free to research and to look into it she said but there are people who have spent years of their life and they can't find a single shred of evidence that he exists so I don't know was it a person and he exaggerated their actions and thoughts and behaviors or was it totally a figment of his imagination the only time I've ever even heard that there was another person at all other than Luca involved was the don't fuck with cats video and if my memory serves me right you could barely make out that it was a hand but it did look like a hand of somebody else right and as two animal lovers that's hard for us but there's very much a difference between killing animals and killing people so maybe who was involved at that stage in the game who was like dude this is beyond i can't be a part of this any longer and then escalated the behavior on his own i think what's scary about this case and what captivated people and why it's called don't fuck with cats is the cat stuff happened months before it escalated 
And I think that the scariest part about the internet is that until these websites came along, they couldn't triangulate who was doing this. And had they paid more attention and figured it out sooner, I don't think the crimes would escalate. They would have gotten. However, like Joel said, unfortunately, the punishment for committing both of those crimes are very different. So he would have been out, right? He would have maybe had 10 years in jail. But I think it was interesting. And I think Another part of the book that kind of shocked me is Anna details how she has watched the video and she's watched the video multiple times. And I don't know what part of the healing journey that is for somebody, but she watches this video and describes and watches it over and over again. And for some reason still makes up these scenarios in her mind and how this happened how this leads her son in the video she can see that that is clear he is arrested for the crimes he's admitted to these crimes he's currently in jail for these crimes which we'll talk about the jail situation because that blew my mind too maybe it wasn't real to her till she really saw what he did but then she didn't change her tune really she defended him harder after seeing that you would think if she saw this she'd be like yeah he's a fucking monster who's that i don't know him get out but instead, it was like she dug her heels. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I mean, I just read a couple sentences that I don't even want to repeat about the video, because not only for those who don't know about it, please don't look into it. But not only does Luca kill Jun Lin, but he goes on to dismember the body and do horrible things with it. So, again, not that one thing is better or worse, but he didn't just kill someone. It's not like he shot somebody. This is very disgusting and graphic. And yes, murder is bad across the board. And I do believe that's why we have a standard of 25 to life, that kind of thing. But I do believe there are different levels to murder and depravity and that kind of thing. The things that Luca did are beyond comprehensible, sick, disturbing, twisted. He involved a dog at one point. Absolutely disgusting. Not only did he do all this crazy stuff, he sent the body parts around. He taunted the police. And if those recall, he was arrested looking articles and pictures of himself. Yes, that's what I was just going to add on. If you are not this same hungry person, then you commit this crime for whatever reason you try to tell yourself so you can sleep at night and flee the scene, then you move on. But no, you were caught looking at articles about yourself and your crimes it's been proven time and time again this was all for the fame and it's a really interesting magnifying glass onto our society because in a way he was right this is what got him notoriety this is something that got people talking this is something that got him to be infamous people know the name luca magnata he knew that our society is engulfed in such horrible thing he saw that and he capitalized and this is kind of strange in the book a little bit i wonder are we part of that problem because if it stayed on the deep web and the dark web would he have escalated to this point because he wouldn't have been as infamous if it stayed in a little bubble or whatever but here we are across the world consuming and talking about it and i'm curious if you think us as spectators could be part of the problem as we have a true crime podcast here we are 
I do think we probably are a part of the problem. And it's something to your point that we can't really look away from. And I think it boils down to the fact that as a society, we like to have answers for things and like for things to make sense. And a lot of these crimes, Luca and many of the others that we discussed don't make any sense. And so we try to then evaluate it and can't leave it alone. And coming back to Manny, I don't remember if it was in the actual video that Luca took of his crimes against Junlin or if they just discuss it in the book and in the documentary. But isn't he on the phone? Like someone keeps calling him while he's committing these crimes. So is he making it up? Is it, like we said earlier, someone where he's exaggerating the relationship and the manipulation? Or like what? It just doesn't make sense. I've never seen the video, nor do I ever plan on it. But they talk about that in the book. I don't remember hearing about it on Don't Fuck With Chat. They might dig into it because that's like another part of it. Manny was calling him, directing him. But that is something his mom says a bunch in the book is that you can see in the video that someone is telling him what to do. And I don't know. I think you're right in what you said about Manny that a gazillion hours and beyond have been spent looking into this case. And I think if there was any validity that something would have come to light. Does that mean that it can't possibly be a reality? No. But you have to think Luca's now behind bars and there's no more cat videos on the interwebs from that same account. There's no other murders. You would think if he was acting under this trance of a guy or under the sicko, why isn't he doing this to somebody else? Or why isn't he taking it over? Where did it go? And I think they try to answer that in the book and I don't remember exactly what was said. Another part of the book I found interesting is when Anna talks about visiting Luca in prison. So for those who don't know, Luca got married, kind of And it's very confusing to me. And Joel said he has a very, I don't know if creepy is the right word, but to me it's creepy relationship with his mom in the prison system in Canada. They have. The way she describes it in the book is obviously very confusing, but it sounds to me like on the prison yard, there's a house that you can like rent out to like play house with your family members for an allotted amount of time, a couple of days, a couple of hours. Right. No, I kind of viewed it as there's the actual prison where you're locked up your normal day to day. But then I don't know if it's a privilege or if everyone has access to these little homes where, to your point, you get to play house. And one of the articles I have has a quote that Luca told Brian Whitney. And he says, prison is not so bad. I'm outside of the majority of the time. I play a lot of video games. We have movie nights. We all have our own TVs. I have painting class and I exercise a lot. I practice language studies. People need to be proud of their accomplishments. Know your value and share it with everyone. And to Lisa's point, he did get married behind bars to a fellow inmate and Anna was able to be there for the ceremony. You have more access than a lot of people who are not criminals locked up in jail. What I understand is why the depravity of his crimes didn't play a factor in how the hell he's kept. Because we talked about this on our first season with the Heather Von Wiesmack case, where in Bali, the rules are non-existent. Jail might as well be a five-star hotel because you have no fucking rules. Doesn't matter what you did. It seems like the same thing. And I'm kind of shocked 
that that is Canada's way, at least where Luca is held, because that feels weird. But also what was weird is in the book, she's kind of describing this little weekend getaway with her son. And I think she brought her husband or the person she was dating. And they got to play house. You were in a house with a guy who dismembered somebody and did crazy things to this person. And you're just sleeping well at night. What is happening? I totally understand the part where she is his mom. The end. That's where it ends. I don't understand this. Like, okay, I'll come to jail and play house with you, honey. It's creepy and weird. It's very creepy and weird. And their whole relationship to me is very creepy and weird. But if I'm remembering correctly, Luca like went to the grocery store and got things for them to bake together. Yeah, it's weird. The book, it's a hard read. And again, I don't necessarily fault Anna for that. I'm the way I thought about it when I was reading it. I thought maybe. Brian wanted it to sound true to her, meaning that her vernacular and the way she says certain things is obviously a little different. Maybe Canadian French is her first language, like who knows? But maybe he kept the sentence structure and the wording the way it was because that's the way she said it. And maybe he literally was just transcribing it instead of putting it into a format. And truly think that writing and getting things out in written form is very helpful in the healing process. And if that's the case, if we were taking her raw things, then that needs to be notated somewhere. Like, oh, these are her journals or something. You can't pass that off as a book because, quite frankly, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's an odd way to write a book because he jumps in and gives his little tidbits and then it's her narrating it's just all over the damn place wait i'm sorry <laughs> i have to interrupt you for one minute i'm on goodreads the app that i was saying that i use oh i love goodreads i use that to read book reviews all the time yeah so that's what i'm doing i'm scrolling through in the reviews and mary gives it one star and she says there are tons of fake accounts giving this book five star ratings from the author himself very obvious the author is trying to make up real ratings for this horrendous book, which makes me laugh because earlier, as we mentioned, Luca had, I think it was something like 70 fake accounts, which is insane and a crazy amount to keep up with. But that just makes me laugh. And it's maybe it's Luca from jail because he has all his fucking privileges. Probably. I agree with Jules in that I'd probably give this a two star, one and a half star type of rating. And it's part because one, it's really dark, but two, it's hard to read. I will say, I did find reading it to be an interesting experience, which is why I told Jules to read it. And I do think the perspective of such an infamous sicko, his mom, is very interesting. And I think, unfortunately, she didn't really do herself any favors. It was not as easy to empathize with her position as I wanted it to be because it almost felt like she made excuses for him. He wasn't in his right mind. It was Manny. It was this. It was that. Now we play house and jail sometimes. And he's a great kid. I don't have kids myself, but I'm sure there's nothing I could do where my parents would be like, well, my mom would disown me in a second, but my dad, I think it would be hard for him to ever separate me as his child from me being this heinous person. I end all be all of this book. I did enjoy, enjoy, maybe not be the right term. I am glad that I read it, but I kind of had a 50-50 split between Anna and Brian. I think it would have been 
better and to your point more advantageous of Anna to have it more of an 80-20 balance where we're hearing from Brian who's interacting with Luca we're getting details there was a lot that I learned but I think Anna had too much talk track I think if we would have had less of her still really valuable things we could have empathized with her more and I do empathize with her and all of their family because as we said every serial killer every criminal is somebody's son daughter brother sister whatever so I do empathize but she made it difficult to empathize with them yeah and on that note there's a few reviews on the wild blue press page I want to read but just to kind of end with and again I don't necessarily think this is a book you should go out and buy. See if your library has it. See if you can get your hands on it. But yeah, I wouldn't spend big bucks on it. No. I want to read a few of these just to kind of wrap up. And I think it ties into everything we just talked about. This is from Blythe. She said, utter rot of it all. This is nothing but a woman in denial about how truly disturbed and sadistic her son is. Granted, that would be difficult for any mother to accept, but the fact that she continues to make excuses for him and deny his guilt in the horrific crimes that he has committed is a blatant insult to the victim's family. Not to mention the absolutely disgraceful attempt to try to get him released from prison because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Anna, sorry, but your son is exactly where he belongs and needs to stay for the rest of his life. And you should consider yourself lucky that he's even alive at all at this point, unlike the parents of John Lynn. The sooner you accept that your son is a very sick and remorseless criminal who deserves nothing less than remaining behind bars for the rest of his life, the better off everyone will be. <laughs> Next one's called Luca is Not Relevant, which I think is a pretty interesting title. Well, that should be the title of this show. Agree with Blythe, Anna. Your son has yet to grasp the reality of his anus acts. It is absolutely disgusting to see that you are seeking some sort of sympathy from people. He not only killed another human being, but he recorded it like he did with the cat killing videos and posted it for the world to see. His hunger for love and acknowledgement was never taught properly in his upbringing. Seeing how you handled the aftermath of his crime, I can only imagine that you probably sheltered him and allowed him to get away with so much wrongdoings in his adolescent years. Don't try to humanize your son because you supported your child to become the demon he became. Absolutely revolting to see that he's still receiving attention for all the wrong reasons. He is not a celebrity, never was, never will be. He was on the path to become a serial killer, and I'm so glad that he was caught. Anna, you not only failed as a mother, but as a person. If it were the other way around and Luca was the one that was dismembered by a maniac, I wonder what you would have had to say to that. It is so nerve-wracking. That you went so far as to publicly stand up for him and defend his actions by blaming it on another person that was never brought to light. <clears throat> Manny. Even if he was involved in any strange relationships with what you refer to as master, he did what he did out of his own free will. He could have said no or reached out for help if he really did not enjoy taking part in any of that crap. The victim's family deserves more than your son being put into jail. We're all born sinners, not evil. There is a difference. I like that. Yeah. So before we go on the last note of this, do you think there is any blame to be put on her? Because a lot of these reviews are saying it's all your fault, essentially. But I don't necessarily think that's true. Yes, she may be delusional. But is it really fair to blame a mom for something their son did that they weren't involved in? No, I don't think that's fair to say. And neither of us know what it's like to be a parent. And I feel like you can't cast all the blame on her. I'm not saying she's innocent, but I think to say this is all her fault is very harsh. 
Absolutely. It reminds me of the movie we need to talk about, Kevin. One of my favorite movies because it's all about the life of a mother living in this kind of a shadow, which I think is a really interesting take. But yeah, I think this is a hard book to read. Again, I don't necessarily think people should go out and buy it. I'm grateful that I was sent a copy and I'm grateful that I was able to get Jules in on the action. It's hard to describe this book to people who haven't read it. And not only for the format of it, but also just the details inside it. It makes you think, is she delusional or is does she have a love for her son? That's something that you can't mess with. It's hard to know which way she falls. I don't know. I think it really speaks to society. I think Don't Fuck With Cats, like Jewel said, shines a light on the ability of web sleuths, which I think is a really fascinating thing to look into because you're right. They found his literal address by just one snippet of a picture that he took. It's really kind of freaky and it makes you kind of go back and reanalyze things you post. And I think that's an important takeaway as well. Thanks for listening to our little book chat. If you're interested in us starting a little book club, because I kind of think that'd be so cool. Although I'm telling you, one of my favorite books, and I think it was actually 2021, was Chanel Miller's book. Um, I'm for sure crime book club. Yeah, I think that's something we should look into. But thanks for joining us on this little like book club version of Eye for an Eye. I'm curious if anyone else has read this book and what you guys think. And if you've seen Don't Fuck With Cats, did that change your opinion? It's been so much fun. I'm glad we got to do a little book club. I'm glad that you read this crazy ass book. Would this be considered like a biography? What the hell is this book? I don't know how you classify it. But in any case, it's called My Son, the Killer by Brian Whitney and Anna Yorkin. And it is by Wild Blue Press. Shout out to Wild Blue Press. Hopefully we will get more and we can look into them and deep dive them. But on that note, we're going to bid you a day. Everybody has a great evening, noon, night, whatever the time is. We're here. You're here. Good night. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>